so that you would be blessed and to honor our ladies and our mothers in Zion. And I begin to think about, you know, what can I say and about in that sense of women, uh, woman to woman, woman to woman. And it is a, a phenomenon that you, from a psychological standpoint, that they will talk about ladies mentoring ladies. And I thought, that's interesting. And men, of course, the converse is true. Today is not Mother's Day, but it's Mother's Day is coming up. And most of the time you think of mothers uh, mentoring and uh, their daughters. And I realize that that happens a lot. But there are a lot of times that women uh, are involved in the caregiving and the, and the strengthening and the encouragement and the reaching out to other women, whether it's in nursing facilities, and I know it can be men, male nurses, and I, I understand I'm not here to uh, have a big long discussion about uh, the, this morning about whether men, men can do those jobs or ladies can or ladies. The point is there's something powerful and the Bible even recognizes that power of a woman ministering to a woman. And I know there's power in men ministering to men and encouraging and we've talked about building a bridge. But when you look at and what Paul even said, he opened up in his book, small book, to Titus, and he began to talk. And of course, in the letter, in the original, there were no chapters in Titus. It was just all one letter, and it's just a short letter. You can read it in just a few minutes. It's in the New Testament. Paul wrote it, and he starts off, and he calls himself almost in the very first part of that uh, first few verses he says Paul a servant of Jesus Christ that's how the King James listed but the word in the original was a slave a slave to Jesus Christ he said I am a slave to Jesus Christ and he writes this letter to Titus then he talks in the first chapter about people that don't follow sound doctrine and he hammers what that is and then he opens up chapter 2 with these words about men and he talks about how elderly men are supposed to behave and then he talks about how elderly women are supposed to behave and then how young women are supposed to behave and then how young men are supposed to behave and then how servants or actually I guess it would be slaves are also supposed to be uh, uh, able to uh, behave in this in this hour now that of course was written 2,000 years ago and I recognize that you may say well how does it apply to today well actually the words are are pretty powerful and I the words to elderly women and I don't normally next week is our ladies and our ladies have the service and I don't I won't get to say anything for ladies but I want to appreciate all of our ladies today and I think all of our men ought to give all of our ladies a hand wonderful hand they're in the crow's nest, they're up top, they're all over this place. And without their help, uh, we would not be able to have this uh, 
the facility wouldn't go, it wouldn't be clean, it wouldn't be uh, uh, full of the prayer a lot of times and all these things that our ladies and I, I appreciate our ladies. But it says, the aged women likewise in the third verse, that they be in, in behavior as becometh holiness. That's an instruction. And I'm not going to go through all these words or all these phrases. I might do it on a Wednesday night in case you don't understand any of this. But I really want to preach on women to women, teaching women how to teach women and how to reach women and connect with women. But here's what it says. Uh, behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women. And then it talks about these words again. And I, I'm not going to spend my time today teaching about these words because, but it's a great Bible study. Sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Can you believe that? You have to be taught to love your husband. How to love your children. To be discreet. That means confidential. You know, they used to say, well, that lady's tongue is loose at both ends and tied in the middle. Anyway, sorry, I'm not going to preach on all these words. That's all right. Chase, keepers of home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And if there was ever a time that women need, and men as well, and I, men... I want you to put this in your mind that, you know, it's all on them, but it's not. It's on us as well. In fact, I talked to some of our men this morning about reaching out and building a bridge and touching and trying to encourage and exhort. But if there was ever a time that not only do our young men need ministers, but our young women need mentors or role models or teachers or examples. Because women have all these different hats that they wear. And I, I just, you know, uh, there are single women, there are widow women, there are single parents, there are women without mothers. That's what WWM stands for. Women without mothers. There are married women. There are... And in our church we probably have some of all of those. Unmarried, teens, etc., etc., etc. And in any congregation, you have some of all of that. And I realize, and each of those have some specific roles and some specific things. And I know. And this woman's problem is not that woman's problem. And this woman's situation is not that woman. And every lady is different. I get that. I understand that. But there are a lot of commonalities between us all as well. And there are things that we can say are part of, you know, part of what we all need to have and see and trying to help and mentor and trying to build a bridge and reach out. 
And I realize that there are some ladies that I have, I have visited with. Now, I'm not talking about from here, but just from the field of psychology of ladies that would talk about a very poor relationship with their mothers and because of the mother-daughter conflict. And it, it's, unfortunately, it's a sort of a, a well-known thing that mothers somehow seem to appear to be harder on their daughters than they are on their sons. I don't know. You know, they used to say, well, that's, that's the way it is. You know, that the mothers know what the girls are going to face and the mothers realize what they're going to have to go through. And I don't know if that's true or not, that they're harder, but that I, I've seen examples of it. And of course, that where it seems like maybe they were trying to put pressure on them and they were had a word that was just, you know, you know, you need to do right. Or you, and I... I don't, I don't mean anybody here. I'm just saying that that's historically. And yet, that that that's might be your, you feel like your role. But there's got to be a time whenever somebody also reaches out to encourage and to strengthen and to love and to exhort and to build up. And to how am I going to do all of that? And Paul gave us an example of how the leaders of the church, and if there was ever a role that the church should play in this hour, is that of trying to be uh, the parental, but not parental, and I'm going to correct you, and I'm going to turn you, and I'm going to make, and I'm going to, but parental, he described it in Thessalonians. He says, we were gentle among you, even as a nurse or a nursing mother was that in the, in the original Greek, cherishes her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not just the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. And I pray that that's exactly what we, and I know, we've said it for years, it's been our tag where friends become your family. And I, I have appreciated and, and applauded uh, the ladies that meet on, on Tuesday. And I know not all of our ladies can come to that prayer meeting. And I, I realize that I, I understand they're working and they're, they're busy and they're doing things. But if there was ever a moment and a chance when we would be able to say, Oh Lord, in this hour, somehow we want to be something that would show that we would transmit uh, our own uh, soul that I, we would say you know we have that we want somehow not just the gospel of God but that you were dear unto us he goes on down in Thessalonians in the 11th verse and he says it like this as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that you walk worthy of God who hath called you unto the kingdom and glory and we have been blessed in our church and I I have nothing but praise for our ladies who have sent cards who have encouraged who have reached out who have done their best 
to mentor and to invite and we've made announcements about if you're able to come Saturday and you can come and be a part and, and yet I realize you know you just got to take two and somebody's got to say and and you know if you want to have a, a mother in Zion I think there are ladies that you could reach out to and if they don't reach out to you reach out to them if you have uh, need strength uh, find somebody that you see that you feel like spiritually would strengthen you send them a card send them a text all of that because what's supposed to be happening is as David said in Psalms great is the Lord greatly to be praised his greatness is unsearchable one generation shall praise the work uh, to another and shall declare thy mighty acts that's what coming to church that's what the body is all about is that we see individuals that have been going through situations and one generation praises the next to the next generation saying the Lord is great and greatly to be praised that we don't know what you'll go through but I know there's a God that will go through it with you we want you to know that yes we may be a different mile marker down the road but God is still great and greatly to be praised and I'm going to praise you from one generation to the next and I, I realize and I know woman to woman it's it, you say pastors it doesn't apply to me I'm a man and I I thought of all the stories that you know of great women in the Bible and I powerful story is that of Hannah and I have preached on Hannah those of you who know who Hannah is, remember her from the Old Testament. She's the lady that uh, was being picked on by uh, her sister wife. Uh, her husband had married another woman who had children. And, uh, and Hannah was barren. And this lady would pick on her and torment her and, and make fun of her. And her life was miserable. You don't have any record that she had a mother or that she had anybody to strengthen her. She tried to talk to her husband and her husband said, he didn't get it. He said, am I not worth more than 10 women, 10 sons rather? Just, you know. What are you doing? And she was alone. She was, she was without hope. She didn't have any sense of direction. You read it, story. It's a powerful story. And you know, could preach a long time just about Hannah. And she goes to the temple, and the preacher there was. Uh, uh, his sons were acting terrible, and they were taking bribes. And it was a uh, the the temple was a fiasco. And she's in there praying one day. And, you know the story, you remember the story, you read the story. And in that prayer, the preacher says, Lady, you're drunk. I mean, her family didn't understand her, her husband didn't get it. She was despondent and weeping, crying. And she said, No. I, I just am overcome and I don't see there was a mentor or anybody that she could reach out to. And yet, then the preacher after accusing her of being drunk said, okay, go your way, your prayer will be answered. 
And she had so much faith in God. I couldn't imagine even having that much faith in the preacher. He just accused me of being drunk. Now he's telling me God's going to answer my prayer. Wow. But she just had so much faith in God in the office that she dries her eyes and she gets up and she says these words, Lord, if you do it, what was she going to do? I'll bring him back to you. Man, that's almost very rash. And then, guess what you read in this first chapter? Guess what happens? Like, you know, the Lord hears that prayer. Now, surely the Lord, it's okay, God. I didn't, I didn't mean I was going to have to bring him back. I, you know, bring him back. I mean, that's my... Hello, that's my son. You gave him to me. I, what? But that's not how Hannah responded. She said, when the child is weaned, I'm going to bring him back. And then the second chapter is this prayer that she prays as she brings this child. I don't know if he was three or four or five or seven or what, how long. The Bible's not real clear about how long it was before he was weaned, but she brings him back and listen to her prayer in the second chapter. It's a powerful prayer because she understood a principle and, and as a woman she got it. She understood it. And, and this is what, as the church, we get this. We understand it. We've heard this story. We get it. And, and yet, I, this is what we have to use to strengthen, whether it's women to women or men to men or however it is. Here's the principle that Hannah prayed. My heart rejoices in the Lord. But Hannah, you're fixing to give your child up and walk away from him. But what was her rejoicing in? My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. I want to tell you something. I don't know. I, I don't know that phrase right there. Later, you know, it, David's going to pick up on there's no rock like our rock. There's no God like our God. But listen, Hannah prayed that. What do you saying sometimes what this lady knew is that you've got to focus your attention on what God is and who he is what he's done how good he is you can't focus a mother knows you can't focus right there only on where you are right now you've got to realize I've got children I've got to take care of I've got my house I've got things and a woman should know how to all of a sudden I understand you know I'm going through it right now but I I've got to set my face. We've got this tomorrow. We've got it. And there's something powerful about someone realizing in the midst of my trouble, in the midst of my problem, that I focus not on where I am, what I'm feeling, but I focus on God and how good God is. You say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll never have a problem. There have been a lot of times I had to keep reminding myself, there's no rock like my rock. There's no God like my God. 
Where are you, God? I don't know, but... Huh? Right. <laughs> he says, Talk no more exceedingly proud. Not let, let not arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. By him actions are weighed. The bows of mighty men are broken. And they that stumble. What is she doing? She is praising the God in the midst of her problems. She is praising the God in the midst of what she's going through. And ladies, I want you to understand. When you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. And you begin to get a hold of the word of God. You begin to learn how to praise God in the midst of whatever you're going through. Same is true with men. It's not just for women only. But if there was ever a time we need to learn how to transmit that to someone else. Not in, well, you need to praise God. Not shaking my finger at him, but saying, you know what? There's no God like our God. God's able. God's going to strengthen. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe for you. He goes on. And she says, with this strength, and they that were full have hired themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, and the barren had borne seven. So maybe she had already had seven children by then, I don't know. And they that have many children as wax feeble. Maybe she was talking about Paniah. The Lord kills, the Lord makes alive and brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifts up. He raised up the poor out of the dust, lift the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inheritance in the throne of the Lord. The pillar of the earth is the Lord's and he has set the world on them. He will keep the feet of his saints. And the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. What we're going through. The church has begun to realize, hopefully, it's not going to be by might, nor by power. Say, so, well, we'll... we'll We'll stop this virus through vaccinations. Now they're finding, well, we hope. Well, you may need a booster. Well, you may need a this. Well, we don't know for sure. Well, at least it's better. I, 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 what, am, what are you saying? I'm saying, listen, the Lord is still in control. The Lord is still in charge. It is by the Lord. He says that you're not going to be your strength by adversaries of the Lord shall be broken into pieces out of heaven. He shall thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth and shall give strength unto his king and shall exalt the horn of his anointed. I, what a powerful perspective. What a powerful understanding of God. And when you're in the midst of your problem and your focus, and I mentioned this last Sunday I think it was or Sunday before last, when you're only able to see your pain and your suffering, that's why somebody reaching out and saying I want you to know God is still in control. God still loves us. God's never left us nor forsaken us. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. What does that do? That is somehow reaching, mentoring somehow that I'm reaching and building a bridge to encourage that in this hour, God is still large and in charge and I don't care what it may look like. Listen, God's still in control. I don't know 
You might call it the G5020 principle. Maybe that's what she heard. You know, they only had, when, when Hannah was alive, there wasn't the whole Bible. There was just the first five books, the law. So maybe it was the G5020 that stuck in her mind. I, women didn't even read in that hour, and they, they only heard a little bit. They, they, when they went to the temple, they, they had a place for women. They didn't get to hear all, the, all that was going on. They didn't get to hear all the sermons. They didn't have a Bible to read. But maybe it was the story of Joseph, you remember? That made her willing to sing through her tough times because she believed in that principle. What is that principle? Some of you remember the story. Could preach a long sermons about it. The G5020. Genesis 50-20. Remember the verse? Joseph says it when his brothers are finally, he's revealed to them the end of the story. Remember it? As for you, <laughs> you tried evil against me. But God meant it for good. As it is this day to save much people alive. I don't know. I, I, my mind is blown how Joseph got that. As a young man, he, he was in a family. They didn't even have the tabernacle. Didn't have the temple. All he had was my dad had a covenant. He didn't have a church body. Well, he had a family and he had 11 brothers and they loved him dearly. They couldn't stand him. His own family hated him. It was a constant irritant. And you could tell by the looks around the campfire. And you could tell by the way they were looking. And when he spoke, people just kind of... It grated on them. Huh? Remember the story? They finally reached a point where they were willing to kill him. Imagine your own family reaching a point. Your own siblings where we'll kill him. And so they finally, one of them was kind enough to say, no, 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 don't kill him. Treat him nice. Sell him into slavery. Boy, that was sweet. Don't put him out of his misery. And so some people passing by, there was no planning. They just happened to have a caravan passing by. The Lord had arranged and it was a bunch of slave traders and they put chains on him. And Joseph has led off into the night. Remember the story? We remember it in Sunday school. The ladies remember it. Men remember it. That young man gets sold. It so happens that a man by the name of Potiphar buys him. He rises in ranks, gets lied on, tries to be faithful, tries to do what's right, gets hit in the head again, pounded down again. Finally, 
put in prison. You all know the story from Sunday school, right? If you have it, you ought to read it. It's powerful. Talks to one guy, the other guy forgets him, leaves him in jail. Finally, Pharaoh. And you remember the stories. Our ladies probably taught it in Sunday school to most of you. And yet, when it's all coming together and his brothers come back, he understood a principle. You might have meant it for evil, but I'm still serving a God. And when God's on my side, Amen. I don't care what comes my way or what men do to me God is going to be there and he's going to turn it into something yes. good one writer later said all things for we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord what are you saying I'm saying oh you know I I, I don't have you know you, you may say well nobody reached out to me listen I I want you to know if you're learning a lesson and nobody's reaching out to you, re you reach out to somebody else. And, and I've had people say, well, I know they're busy and I don't want to bother. And I understand in this hour, but if there was ever a time, what Joseph didn't have, what we have today, the ability to send a text. Brother David was mentioning this morning about how, imagine how these men, they wrote a letter and they had to inscribe it in stone or in a, a clay and they had to then have somebody physically carry it now I, I you know just I, I'll be candid with you we have individuals that we've uh, been working with from Singapore and from out of state and from other places what do you say all of a sudden now I can just pick up my phone what a powerful time it is for the church to be able to reach and connect and to touch somebody else if there was ever a time that we would say Lord help us to encourage and exhort and to remind somebody you know what God's still in control I don't care what you're going through God's able to make all things work together for good don't give a loose hope don't fall, fall apart God is able and I realize that it may seem you know well nobody reached out to me and I I, I even marry, and I marry, and you remember when Mary was told that she's going to have a child, and the Bible says that Mary sought out Elizabeth, and she went to Elizabeth and, and said, you know, and when Elizabeth saw her, there was that sense of, wow. I, I know, uh, I, I understand that in this moment, you know, she's going to have a baby and I'm going to have a baby. And I, I, I realize, and we've got some new mothers and I, there was ever a time for our, our mothers. And you say, well, I don't know how to encourage. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I, I know I'm, I'm the only thing separating us from a good chicken meal. But one of the things that you can do is begin to personalize the word. <clears throat> Find some verses 
reach out, whether it's Psalms 139, Isaiah 43, whatever you want to find, there's a lot of verses, but whether you're a man or a woman, personalize it, the word to you, to your thoughts. Proverbs, the 10th chapter and the 14th verse says, wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. You could say wise women, wise teenagers, wise ladies, whatever you want, lay up knowledge. What does that mean? You know, you, you, don't, you, you don't tell everything. You don't talk about everything. But oh, and I know that we feel isolated and that right now the, uh, the world, America, the world is talking about how COVID has isolated folks and made them feel alone and made them feel without connection. And I, I realize and I, I, I wish, I, I don't know how to make us all get connected, but if there was ever a moment when, you know, the mouth of the foolish is near destruction, Proverbs the 16th chapter, pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Oh Lord, let me have some pleasant words. Let me say something nice. There used to be a, a joke that I heard, you know, uh, many years ago. It says, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Somebody said, well, he's dead. Good. <laughs> Not very encouraging. But if there was ever a moment that we need to strengthen one another. Set a watch, O oh Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips because I want to teach, encourage, exhort, strengthen, bless. I want to be a, someone that blesses. And I realize that we've got ladies and I, I see so many that husbands are battling physical issues and I, I realize... We're, we got ladies that are going through it and young ladies that have children and all this. And yet, how do you get endurance? Isometrics, you know. When I was a kid, you know, they had the Charles Atlas in the back of the comic book. Just for $5, send me this. I can show you how to pull against your arm. You'll look like Charles Atlas. I think he actually worked out in the weight room. But you push against something. You have resistance. That's how you build endurance. Nobody wants to, you know, no, nobody wants to go through anything. They, they survey single ladies and they ask, what do you want in a husband? And, you know, I want him to be good looking. I want him to be funny, have a good personality. All the ladies have all these lists of things before they get married. They survey the same ladies 10 years after they're married they said, what do you want in a husband? He'll be faithful. He'll be trustworthy. He'll help me. Huh? Oh, before, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted him to be funny. 
Now, I don't want him to be funny. I want him to be helpful. When, you know, the trash needs to be taken out and he does a song and dance. Ta ta ta, ta 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 da. My, ch my list changes. It's not funny now. I don't want the comedy script, you know. Now I need somebody that'll help me, somebody that'll be there, somebody that'll be honest. It's amazing how in 10 years our whole list changes. What are you saying? It's called endurance. It's called endurance. How do you build endurance? You push back, you resist. Oh, and I don't like it. I don't like to build endurance, but the Bible said it like this, and I, I, I'm, I, I'm, Hallelujah. This is not, not, a, uh, not a fun verse. Let me, let me read it to you. James, the first chapter, James opens up his book. And he says it like this. Consider it wholly joyful. Completely joyful, my brethren. We can personalize that, make it my ladies, my women. Consider it wholly joyful. Your response is supposed to be a smile and joy. When ever, I'm reading this out of the Amplified, you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. That's not easy. And when we see each other going through their own individual battles, that's why it's important to be able to say, hey, don't forget James. Don't forget, we're going to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, as he said in Philippians. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out what? Endurance. In the King James, it just uses the word patience. But that same word in the Greek is also translated as endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance, steadfastness, and patience have full play and do a thorough work so you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no uh, defects, lacking nothing. Oh, I want you to understand if there was ever a time we've had to endure as a nation. We've had to endure whether it's been from one report and the change. And, but you know what? I pray it's building within the church is a sense that you know what? We're going to keep rejoicing. I'm going to keep praising God. I'm going to keep loving God. Why? I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know how we're going to make it from point A to point Z, but one of these days the Lord is coming again and we're going to meet him and we're going to be able to say, well done thou good and faithful. It's a trial of my faith. It's a trial of my faith. But somehow, I want you to know whether it's I reach out to one of these young ladies or whether it's I find somebody else in church and I have to be, you have to be older and they have to be younger, you have to be younger. And that has nothing to do with that. It has to do with somebody saying, let me tell you, I know where you are and what you're going through, but I want you to know God's building endurance. Hang in there. We're praying with you. That's more than most of the people in the Bible had. 
When they, when Paul got a letter, I don't know how many months it would be before he could send another letter back. And now I'm so privileged that I can pick up the phone and text and, huh? Say, well, I don't know everybody's number. Well, I don't either, but send them a card, ask them, say, whatever. Say, well, what are you doing? If there was ever a time we need this, we sure do need it now. Yeah. And I, have the ladies been doing it? Yes, the ladies, uh, I get cards and they've sent cards and I, I realize our church is doing this. This is not to, it's just to remind us all we need to do it more. And if you're young and you've never had somebody send you a card or say they're praying for you, start reaching out to somebody else. That's what the Bible says. If you want it, you want to be connected, connect. If you want to be a friend, if you want to find a friend, give friendship. That's where we are. And I, I thank you all for being here today. And I know it's, we're having lunch. They're going to come, come ahead, corral, we're going to come. We're, I thank you, I know. Jesus, and I'll talk about it maybe tonight, said, blessed are they that mourn. I don't even like the Beatitudes. <laughs> but those things in the Word are supposed to be there to encourage me. That no matter what I'm going through, no matter where I am, God's got this. We've got it together. Somehow, we're going to make it. You say, I, I, James, I can't. I read that and I, I've failed at that. Consider it wholly joyful when I'm enveloped or encounter trials. Have you ever had a trial and is your first response to be wholly joyful? You say, well, I'm not there yet. All I know is I'm not there yet. But that's what the body is for. We're going to stand. And I, I don't know. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, the only thing I can tell you is that it's hard to trust people, I realize. But you can trust the presence of God. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You can learn how to tap into it. If you're here, you, you say, well, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how you can feel that way. Is it just some Prozac mentality that, no, we have too many examples in the Bible and then examples here of people that were going through it. And what did they do? Keep praising God. Why? Because I don't know. Somehow the Lord's going to make a way. I know who he is. I'm going to focus my prayer like Hannah did. Lord, you're, there is no rock like our God. There is no God like our God. I'm going to keep focusing my attention on him. Let's do that for a moment.